0: Howdy, folks! This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I am Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in to listen. Before we jump into our study uh, for today, I want to give you a little heads up on what's coming on Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah, you heard that right, Thursday, and then likely next Sunday. On Tuesday, the podcast subject is going to be on ruling over your own mind. Here's a key to avoiding sin to be able to rule, to have self-control in your thinking. Thursday, you remember I've announced in previous podcasts that once a month, the first Thursday of each month, one of the brethren here are planning on joining me and we're putting together a podcast and putting it out. The first one's going to be this Thursday. It's going to be a conversation with a brother in Christ named Bill Ard who moved here uh, from Mississippi about four years ago. We're going to talk about some interesting things about his decision to move and some of the challenges he faced. Then next Sunday, we're going to talk about Mark Mark 8, 11 through 13, and people that are, or at least in the first century, were sign seekers and some applications that can be made to that. So I hope you'll look forward to those things and tune in to listen. Today, we're going to talk about the links that people who oppose the truth will go to. And there are questions. I know the head scratchers that I have when I study with people the scriptures and point out to them very clearly the will of God, and and then they they don't want to hear it. And I, I remember many years ago struggling with trying to figure out why it is that people are that way. Why are they different than me? Why, when I read something and study it through, do I want to do it, and why don't they want to do it? I want to talk about some of these things today from the scriptures and the book of Proverbs. And it's interesting because Solomon, you know, again, I know I've said this in previous podcasts and probably will say it going forward many a times. Uh, Solomon writes 31 chapters of wisdom and uh, at least the way we have it broken down in the scriptures for us in chapters and verses. And yet he turns around in 1 Kings chapter 11 and his wives took away his heart from serving the Lord. Uh, How does somebody have such wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, but turn away from it? Knowing right doesn't always mean doing right, okay? But Proverbs, uh, when Solomon was doing right, he wrote, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Proverbs 1, 20-31, "'Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets.'" She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded but you have set it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a war wind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. Then shall they seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despise all my reproof. Therefore, shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. So here Solomon personifies wisdom and wisdom's crying out and saying, listen to me, but they turned away. They didn't want to hear it. So the laughing at their calamity, when they finally decide I need to pursue wisdom, wisdom is not going to answer the call. Uh, People basically at times hate hearing the truth and often those that teach it. And uh, Israel's history Ahab was the king, and at this point in time, 1 Kings chapter 22, Ahab calls upon the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and wants to seek to take Ramoth and Gilead, and Jehoshaphat and him get together, and in 1 Kings 22, 8, the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may acquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. What happened in this context, you can go and read it for yourself in 1 Kings 22, is Ahab wants to take Ramoth Gilead. Uh, He consults all his prophets, which were nothing but yes-men. And the yes-men said, Go up and do it. Jehoshaphat had the wisdom to say, Is there anybody else? We can infer things from that, but we'll just say this. Uh, Jehoshaphat wanted the word of someone else, and the prophet that came to Ahab's mind is Micaiah. Did you hear it, though? He hates him. Why? Because he didn't prophesy good concerning him. Uh, the Bible is the standard, and of course it's what we're always going to use in this podcast, what I use in every teaching and Bible study, but then sometimes things of interest, uh, happen. Uh, I like to talk to people. I like to study people. I like to think about people. In the world, that might be called psychology, right? Well, in the world of psychology, not all things are right. The Bible is always right. Well, one thing in the world of psychology that we're going to see that the Bible affirms is the idea of cognitive dissonance. And what that is, is when there's a mental conflict that occurs when beliefs or assumptions are contradicted by new information, so somebody struggles in their mind because they hear something that contradicts what they have already believed or assumed. It goes on. The idea of cognitive dissonance is the unease or tension that that conflict arouses in people. So they're very uncomfortable, and what they do as a relation in relation to that um, is one of several several different defensive maneuvers. They reject that new information. They explain it away, they avoid it, uh, don't want that new information, or they persuade themselves that no conflict really exists. Even though something may contradict what they already believe, somehow they excuse it away as if there is no conflict at all. So here's two forms of information. I have always assumed this or have always believed this, but this other information has come about the challenge cognitive dissonance says, you know what? they're really not contradictions at all. People will try to reconcile the differences or they will resort to other defensive means to preserve stability, that is mental stability, or order and their concepts or conceptions of the world and of themselves. So they have a view of the world, they have a view of themselves. This new information that they have obtained will be set aside some way as a defense mechanism, because they don't want to acknowledge that it contradicts what they already think. What we're going to see, the Bible doesn't use the terminology cognitive dissonance, but the ideas in that definition, I got that definition out of Encyclopedia Britannica, by the way, That, that the ideas in that definition of cognitive dissonance is shown to be true through the Bible, the idea, the concepts. There is unease when people hear something that contradicts them, and that unease that's there cuts to the heart. In fact, when Stephen, who was uh, one of the men appointed in Acts 6 to help wait on the table of the Grecian widows, and then he comes under uh, contradiction in in chapter 6 and, and preaches a a lesson in chapter 7, towards the end of that sermon, we'll call it. He says to the audience, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before the coming of the Just One, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the dispensation of angels, and have not kept it? When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth like they grinded their teeth. Uh, That cut to the heart uh, part, well, here shows that mental conflict. They've heard something that sets them in a light that they do not agree with. They don't think of themselves the way that this truth presents them. Well, When a person has the truth, the Word of God, and they're going to teach it to other people, that puts the teacher of the Word of God, whoever he or she may be, in harm's way. It's a hard reality for some people to face. I have the soul-saving truth of the Word of God. Why would that put me in harm's way? Listen, Jesus even said it. When He sent out the 70 in Luke 10, 1-3, by 2 into every city and place where he was going to go. He said to them, The harvest truly is great, the laborers are few. Pray, ye therefore, Lord of harvest, that he would send forth laborers in the harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Lambs among wolves. You who have the truth are going to go out into a world where you become prey because you have the truth. Think about what Jeremiah said to people that proclaim to be God's people in Jeremiah 26, 12 through 15. Jeremiah said to the princes and all the people, "'Lord sent me to prophesy against the house "'and against the city all the words that you have heard. "'Therefore now amend your ways and your doings "'and obey the voice of the Lord your God. "'And Lord will repent him of the evil "'that is pronounced against you. "'As for me, behold, I am in your hand. "'Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you.'" but know ye for certain that if you put me to death you shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves upon the city upon the inhabitants thereof for of a truth the lord has sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears just just the other day one of the brethren here uh, in fact uh, bill ard uh, that is going to join me in going door to door he and i were having a conversation or that is going to join me in the podcast that you hear thursday we were going door to door And we were hanging door hangers on some doors uh, out in an area where the congregation assembles in one of the homes of the brethren here. And while we were out, we were talking, we were just talking about the vulnerability of being an evangelist. And we had a rather long, constructive, good, biblical conversation. And I was telling him about some of the things that I've faced as uh, being an evangelist. And one of the things that struck Bill pretty hard in our conversation is the vulnerability that that I'm at. Uh, we were talking in particular about uh, being a member of a congregation. And I said, is as, as lovely as you would like to think that evangelists are members of the congregation like everyone else. And that's the way it should be. It's really not the way it is. And and I just gave him this illustration. I said, the brethren could look at me any Sunday, Sunday, uh, because that's when we assemble. And they could say, your services are no longer needed here. And I'm vulnerable to that. I, I depend upon my brothers and sisters in Christ for so many things, not just an audience to teach to, but but also uh, means by which I provide for my family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I pointed out to Bill, I said, look, what other member in the congregation faces that? I said, the congregation is not going to come up to you and look at you and say, hey, We know you moved here from Mississippi and that you're part of this congregation, but we have no longer need of you being a member of this congregation. No, not going to happen to a member of the congregation, but it happens to evangelists, has happened to me multiple times uh, in the past and has meant in a moment's notice that your life is turned completely upside down and you need to go. Well, like Jeremiah said here, I'm not a prophet, by the way. I'm not trying to proclaim that I'm a prophet, just an evangelist, just a preacher of the gospel, but like Jeremiah the prophet said uh, to the children of Israel, I am in your hand. The teacher is in the hand of the student. If you go back and you read Luke 10, we're studying that right now here in El Paso on uh, Sunday afternoons. We're studying Luke 10. Those going out and teaching, they, they were vulnerable, to, not just to persecution, but dependent upon the student for their well-being, a place to live, food to eat, funds, etc. cetera. I am in your hands. Well, that makes lessons like this very challenging to think about, and it hits people at different levels. Those that are supported financially to preach the gospel are more vulnerable than those who are not. But in truth, anybody that has the truth is vulnerable to some degree in the hands of those that they're trying to teach it. Paul, for example, in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, says to Timothy, Remember that Jesus Christ is the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He, just because he preached the gospel, suffered trouble as though an evildoer. He's imprisoned at the time he's writing this. He didn't do anything wrong, but he's in prison simply because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, like Jeremiah said, is in the hands of the hearer. That's a vulnerability. It's a vulnerability. It's a defenseless position to find yourself in. And the Bible shows us, Proverbs 9, 6-8, for example, forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a scorner giveth himself to shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man giveth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. That's vulnerability. So this lesson, as we're looking at it, there's a lot of different applications to think about. If you, again, whether it's your quote-unquote vocation, using that language loosely, uh, or not, if you're going to take the gospel and share it with somebody, you're vulnerable to a degree. And and some ways, like an evangelist, if you were to share the gospel with your employer, for example, and they reject the truth that you've presented to them, you ought not be surprised if they don't find some worldly scheme or way to end your employment. Why? Because, like with Ahab in 1 Kings 22... You have shared something with them, and that cognitive dissonance kicks in, and now they're at mental conflict. So every time they look at you, every time they talk to you, they're going to be reminded that their faith is false, and you presented to them something that contradicted what they've believed or have been comfortable with, and they're going now, you're a target. Hmm. So I want to talk about how far people will go, how, how this cognitive dissonance is really the truth, and psychology has this right about human behavior. In Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 through 13, says, Now go, write it before them in a table, and a it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people. And remember, if you don't know this, or remember this if you do know it, This is about the children of Israel, God's people of old, okay? He says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get ye out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, Because you despise this word, and trust in oppression, and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. So here's God's people. Now, on one hand, you got, I might say this to somebody I work with, or even my boss or whatever. They may hate me. They may come at me. I may say this to a public official. I may say this to somebody that's going to persecute me because I taught them the truth. But they're people of the world. That's a given, right? We, we can expect people outside of relationship with God are more likely than not to reject the Word of God because the average is few that are saved, Matthew 7, 13, and 14, Luke 13, 23, and 24. So you can assume that, that that's the likelihood okay? Now, you don't want to be jaded. You don't want to think that everybody in the world is going to reject the gospel, because then you're really not going to put forth the right kind of effort, and that's dangerous. Somebody at some point in time taught you, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans ten 17. So Don't shut down the opportunity to teach because the majority will reject it. Having said all that, the people Isaiah is talking about aren't the people of the world per se, and they they were saying, "Lie to us. Speak smooth things to us." Wow, right? Well, Jeremiah to the same people later, later on than Isaiah, just slightly. In Jeremiah five eleven through fourteen says, "The house of Israel, house of Judah, have dealt very treacherously against me," saith the Lord. They have belied the Lord and said, it is not He. So here's their state of denial. The people that reject it, that one of the way they reconcile the differences is to say that there really is no difference. So here, they belied the Lord and said, it is not He. Neither shall evil come upon us. Neither shall we see sword nor famine. And the prophet shall become wind, and the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done unto them. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth, talking to Jeremiah, and this people would, and it shall devour devour them. So God says, they think you're not speaking my words. I'm going to show them that you are, and they're going to suffer for it. That's so unfortunate. All they had to do at the preaching of Isaiah and at the preaching of Jeremiah is to turn, repent, and do works meet for repentance. And God would have been their God, and they would have been his children. Instead, they say, there's really not a problem. They denied it. They explained it away. They employed that defense mechanism. God really didn't say that. That's not really the truth. All because it said something to them that they were not persuaded of. In the book of Amos, trying to get rid of the messenger. And book of Amos, chapter 7, 10 through 17, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. That's sad, right? A prophet of God, a true messenger of God, and you're going to bring this kind of accusation and like he's a, he's a conspiracist. He's, he's, going, he's going to turn against you. So goes on, the accusation against Amos, the land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah saith unto Amos, O thou seer, go flee thee away in the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. But prophesy not against any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. Then answered Amos, and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman, and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as it followed the flock. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be in harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. So it's Amos, go away. Go away. How sad. Don't don't prophesy against Israel. Don't drop a word against them. We want you to stop. Okay. So what happens if the man won't stop? Well then he'll be slandered. I have faced this many times. You know, one account just if you're kind of interested in something I was preaching in Pennsylvania, Butler, Pennsylvania sometime, I don't know, it may, may have been around 2001, 2002. I don't remember the exact time. But some some preacher that I corresponded with online and opposed some of his doctrines, and I, I don't remember his name. Uh, I'd have no problem sharing it. Uh, I remember he, he lived in the South. How's that? That's broad, right? So he had went online and had said that I had been previously married. Now, he didn't know my age, and it became apparent that he didn't know my age because he gave some kind of fictional account, said that he actually saw a marriage record. Uh, and according to him, and I can't remember all the details, but I would have been married like, if I remember correctly, it was like I would have been like 12 or 13 years old, married. And then he said, I had a child and was divorced and then remarried to uh, my current wife, Oh, well, the truth of the matter is, he made it all up, and when people asked me about it, and see, some people didn't even ask about it, uh, to, maybe to this day there's people that he still talked to, talk to that might have believed it, uh, but uh, I married my wife Katrina in 1995, and we were high school sweethearts, and... Um, <laughs> I had never been divorced, and we've been married happily since 1995, and I have three children. Uh, I lived in the world prior to being a Christian. I didn't live in a Christian home. Uh, I did a lot of sinful things, and as a Christian, fell away in my youth as well. Now, when I say fell away, some of you may think that means I didn't assemble with some congregation. No, I did. I just wasn't there spiritually. I was fake and fraudulent, um, had to repent of that, turn to God and do works meet for repentance. I say all this to say that, that, uh, I have plenty of sins in my past that I have repented of and been converted from that this person could have picked up and talked about, but he chose just to make up something. Like if you're going to slander somebody, you, you ought to be a better liar. Just saying, uh, but that's one of many times that I've been slandered. Uh, and and if you, whether you're an evangelist, an elder in a congregation, whether or not you're you're a member, when you're speaking truth, one of the defense mechanisms is people are going to say things about you that aren't true because they have to destroy the messenger. See, people don't want to attack the message all the time. Sometimes they will. More often, they'll attack the messenger. Jeremiah 18.8, They said, come, let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. In Romans 3, 8, Paul says, not rather, as we be slanderously reported, as some affirm that we say, let us do evil, that good may come, whose damnation is just. They were saying about Paul that he said, you ought to do evil, that good may come. That he was teaching what we might know as situation ethics uh, in the world today. People will go to other extremes, like trying to get rid of evidence that supports the truth. Jesus is dead, buried, and risen on the third day, and uh, evidence is given. So in Matthew 28, when they find out that Jesus is arisen, but they don't really want to, to acknowledge that, some of them that can't get that were to guard the tomb came into the city and showed the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, "Say ye, His disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this has come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money, and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So at the time Matthew penned these words, that was still the going rumor that, or lie that had been said. The soldiers got paid, and the chief priest, these were supposed to be men that were serving God and being mediators between the people and God. Uh, <laughs> not only are we going to make up this lie, but we'll defend you. Uh, crazy, right? And John 12, 9 through 11, this is after Lazarus has been risen from the dead, much people of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So it's, it's hey, let's go destroy the evidence. Let's do away with the evidence. You know, my website's been hacked multiple times in the years that that I have been preaching and problems have happened with my website, and I am by no means some sort of, of major voice in the world. Uh, I don't have that many people that are listening to the things that, that I'm teaching in comparison to a whole lot of other people that have great numbers of people that, look at their their material. In fact, my website uh, 10 years ago had hundreds of thousands of hits per month, does not anymore. Uh, people will go to extremes to get rid of any kind of evidence, especially when they see that people are listening to that evidence. They will do other things. that defense mechanism, the denial uh, part, where they look to other messengers. In Israel, they look to the false prophets. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, and he says in verse 1 through 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Look at that, like heap up to themselves teachers, meaning they're going to stack people up and accumulate those that teach the opposite. There are so many tactics that are employed. Obviously, they killed Jesus, They, they, they killed apostles like James, beheaded in Acts 12, 1 and 2 they were going to kill the apostles in Acts 5. In Acts 5, 12 through 33, just listen to this. It says, By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, so they're at the temple. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. So the word of God and the miracles that were being done to prove the word of God was effective. The text goes on. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits and were healed every one. The high priest rose up and all that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation laid their hands on the apostles, put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered in the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told saying, the prison truly found we shut with safety and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we opened, we found no man within. Now, just stop here. Wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think they'd say, oh man, everything going on right now, we can't fight against God. Wouldn't you you think like that would be the reasonable thing? Well, cognitive dissonance, right? When the high priest and the captain of the temple and chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, Behold, the men which you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain and the officers, brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. See, they didn't fear the truth, they feared, feared the people and the politics that could be played. Text says, When they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree. And hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince and saviour, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost, whom God given them that obey him. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and took counsel to slay them. Now Gamaliel steps in, gives some reason, But this is the second time the apostles were arrested. Chapter 4 happened the first time. They're just dead set against the truth. They want to murder men just for preaching the truth. Why? Why? Well, Jesus said in John 3, 19 through 21, this is condemnation. That light is come to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. That's one reason why. When people have pleasure in unrighteousness, like Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 2.12 that they may all be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Well, here's information that contradicts my view of the world and what pleasure is and how it's okay. So they stand back. Then there's other things. Like, what about people that are happy where they are? Maybe they're in grandma's church funny little thing online that just came to mind right when I said that. Uh, maybe they, they've they been brought up in a certain religion. Maybe they're not quote-unquote religious at all. Maybe they just, like 2 Thessalonians 2.12, maybe they just have all kinds of fun being worldly and ungodly. And then here's this information that challenges me that I need to live a different way than I'm living right now. It's opposed to the way I see life in this world. Maybe... Maybe they're just comfortable with the people that they're around. Maybe they just, they like the crowd that they're in. And, and, you know, turning to Christ is going to change the people that you're around. You're now going to be part of the local church uh, of God's people. Your fellowship is going to be with them rather than with people of the world. Well, that's too much for some people. They don't want a change of, of scenery, so to speak. And John 12, 37 through 43 but though he, speaking of Jesus, had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and whom hath the Lord, arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Some people are just blind to the truth, no matter how clear it is before them. Other people, they like the crowd that they're in. They don't want to change that. Sometimes people have just changed the terms, right? Remember we were talking about in the definition of cognitive dissonance, where they say there really is... uh, no difference. There you know, this isn't a contradiction. Isaiah five twenty, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There are those people that will just change the terms. And Malachi two seventeen says, You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, Wherein have you wearied him? When you say everyone that doeth the evil is good and the sight of the Lord, and he that delight them, or where is the God of judgment? See, there are people that just redefine things to make it okay they they change the meaning of right and wrong that's terrible but that's what, one of the defense mechanisms truth is the person that wants to reject the truth and and or the messenger of the truth what they fail to realize is they're not hurting the messenger now maybe in a carnal sense uh There have been things that I've gone through in life. Hey, Bill, if you're listening to this man, our conversation's still on my mind pretty heavily. Uh, There are people that have done things to me in life that I, I go through and think about every day, people I love dearly and wish to see change. And of course, they caused harm in a physical sense. But the real harm is to themselves. The significance harm is to themselves. The eternal harm as to themselves. The book of Proverbs chapter 15, Solomon, when he was wise, 31 and 32 says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despises his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews twelve twenty-five, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And Hebrews, the second chapter, if you back up a, a little bit, get a little bit of an explanation from of what Hebrews two or Hebrews 12, 25 means, says in verses one to three of Hebrews two, therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which were heard, lest at any time we let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels, so looking back under the old covenant, was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Think back, way back to Sodom and Gomorrah as an example there. Text then says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by him that heard, by us that heard him. Excuse me. you might refuse the messenger. Maybe you don't even like him. Maybe 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 I'll study with you in the future or have in the past. Maybe you're looking at this podcast. Maybe you don't like me. Maybe I rub you the wrong way. I do, I do do that sometimes. I tend to be direct because I don't want to waste time when it comes to your soul. And some people don't see the love behind that. You know, open rebuke is better than secret love, Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. The Lord said to Laodicea, As many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be zealous, therefore, and repent, in Revelation three nineteen. Sometimes people miss the love, though. But as an evangelist, I'm aware of the things that we're talking about now and have been for a very long time. I'm aware that people will oppose themselves. Now, In their minds, they may see it as opposing me. You're not opposing me when I'm showing you the word of God. You're hurting you, and you're turning away from God. In 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, the servant of the Lord must not strive. This is written to an evangelist, okay? But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. If you listen to our podcast on the devil and demons and unclean spirits. You, do you remember that podcast if you listen to it? I am legion. Right? Pun intended, the whole, I don't know what possessed me to do that. Hope you enjoyed that. Got a little giggle out of it. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, it's not the devil really that's encaps, encaptured people. Uh, it's that when people sin, they're doing the will of Satan. Contrasting between the will of God, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Go and read that if you've missed that point. Well, as an evangelist, I, I understand when people attack me, why they're doing it. They're, they're trying to reject the Word of God. Um, I don't. Now, I feel it personal, but only because I care. Um, but I don't take it as a personal attack. Uh, and, and if you've ever, maybe you're listening to this podcast There have been people that I've told in the past, I I can't work with you. When I say that to somebody, I don't mean ever. I mean in their current state. Like when you, if you go back and you read Luke 10, one of the things the 70 had to do to those that rejected is shake off the dust from their feet against them as a testimony against them. But listen, the Lord our God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3, 9. If somebody that has even done me much harm were to call me up and say, man, I, I really want to obey the gospel. Will you talk to me? Listen, if you're one of those people, yes, absolutely, I will talk to you, even if you've done me physical harm. And, and maybe you're you're someone out there, I can think of a few names that may someday listen to this podcast. Maybe you're thinking, even with what I did to them, yes, everything that anybody's ever done to me, if they wanted to turn from the Lord, I will help share the gospel with them and help you come back to Jesus Christ. And and would be delighted, uh, you know, after some repentance has occurred, to call that person my brother or sister in Christ and to, to be able to do that for all eternity. And I would do that because I would follow the pattern of the Lord, my Savior Jesus Christ. You know, that Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. I understand that when people attack, they think, that they're righteous, and that they're really, really, really just setting forth a defense mechanism to protect their view of themselves and their view of their, quote-unquote, faith. When you look back in the Scriptures, there's a sad point, though. And I have a lot of names in mind when I think of this Scripture. That there are people that have hated the truth so much that they reach a point where there is no remedy. And 2 Chronicles 36, 14 through 16 says, Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed, transgressed very much after all the abomination of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And Lord God, their father, sent to them by, by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord Arose against his people till there was no remedy. Don't reach that point. Realize that you're, you're, if you've rejected the truth, and maybe you've defined that as, no, I don't reject the truth, I just reject you. No, you're rejecting the truth. Stop the defense mechanism that's going to get you lost. Because if you reject the truth, even Jesus. You know, Matthew 15, if you read verses 1 through 14, that Jews there were holding on to their traditions, uh, that the word of God became of no effect. In verse 14, Jesus tells his disciples, after they said, Lord, do you not know they were offended? Jesus says, let them alone. You hear that? Let them alone. The blind be leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. Faithful men, I and other faithful men, if you reject the truth, again, even if you somehow out of your mouth, because you've convinced yourself in your mind that you're only rejecting the messenger, we will walk away. Now, again, I don't mean that forever, but I will walk away. I won't keep trying. I won't argue with somebody. The truth is the truth. Like, let me put this real simple terms. If I were to walk outside and it were to be raining, which is pretty rare out here in the desert that I live in in El Paso, Texas, but we're coming up on monsoon season uh, that hit, starts in at, towards the end of June and lasts into September, and it's it's possible that we get a downpour in afternoons. There's a boy this when it when it rains in monsoon season, it's it's something else. I, I, I've had water problems in my house many times uh, during monsoon season, uh, but if I were to walk out mid-July, one of those evenings, and it's just pouring. And what I have to do sometimes uh, around my house, I have to set up pumps and pump water out of my backyard. So if I was going out there to do that, and if my neighbor walked over and said, what are you doing? And I said, you know, while I'm sitting there dripping water all over me and everything else, I've got a little raincoat and boots that I wear when I go out and do this. Water everywhere. if he looked at me and he was like, what are you doing? Why are you setting up your pump? And I said, man, this rain's just terrible. I got water everywhere. If he looked at me and said, it's not raining. (laughs) I'm not going to sit there and argue with this dude. It's clear as can be that it's raining. Look at the water in front of you. That's as clear as the scriptures are. I'm not going to argue with people when it's raining. And I'm not going to argue with people when the truth says one thing and you say another. I'm going to shake the dust from my feet. I'm going to let you alone. You may think you're disagreeing with me at that point when you say it's not random. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God. Now, in this context, uh, the Apostle Paul had the Holy Spirit, who so also given unto us his spirit. I'm not going to go that far and say that today. Previous podcast, if you listen to him, maybe if this statement confuses you, you can contact me and we can study it but the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands. In fact, if you just go read Acts chapter 8, you'll get a pretty clear idea of how things are different today than they were in the first century. Again, that's Acts chapter 8. Just read the whole chapter. You're disagreeing with God, whether it's in the first century or today. You're rejecting God, okay? Now, with this lesson, don't just think about people that are out there, apply this to yourself. There has to be a balance. The Bible teaches us to prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. We're going to talk about the other side of this coin in next Sunday's uh, lesson, where we talk about sign seekers from Mark 8, 11-13. But before we get into that, as application of this lesson, you prove something, you find it to be true, hold on to it. Proverbs 8.33, hear instruction and be wise, refuse it not. Don't just think about the people out there that don't listen. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. Test it. When you find it to be true, whether you like it or not, whether it contradicts your view or not, shouldn't matter. Hear instruction, be wise, refuse it not. Don't be a fool. Proverbs 23, 9 says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Don't be that person. Hear, test, and if it's true, hold fast to it. Will you do that? Don't be the person who falls prey to the human behavior known as, as cognitive dissonance. Don't go to an extreme length to oppose the truth or those who teach it. One thing I used to say very often out here in El Paso, especially as I was trying to bring brethren around some things that they didn't know, and at that time, some of those people didn't like me very much at all. Uh, One of the things that I used to say is even if Satan, and this isn't going to happen, go back and listen to uh, Tuesday's podcast about Satan, Satan devils, unclean spirits. This, this is just an illustration, not to be taken any further than this. But even if Satan were to come in here right now, if I'm, if I'm, I'm sitting here in my garage, got the, the door shut into the washroom and living room that I'd be able to see if the door was open, I have a table set up and I've got my laptop here, my Bible here, and I've got this microphone sticking in front of my face. If Satan were to pull up a chair on the other side, just an illustration, okay? And he were to say, you got this point that you've missed in the Bible, and it's going to change whatever. And he says, you've missed this scripture. You know what? I'm not going to listen to Satan. But if he's, or anybody else, has pointed out a scripture... I'm going to listen to the scripture. I don't care who the messenger is. I'm going to listen to the scripture. Would you? Maybe you don't like the messenger. So what? It's the message, the word of God that saves, Romans one sixteen. Listen to that. Regardless of whose pen or keyboard or voice has put out that scripture. Listen to the scripture. That's what's going to judge us. John 12, 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words has one that judgeth him. The same that I spoken, shall so judge him in that last day. Be judged by the words of our Lord. If somebody points out something you didn't know, be willing to listen to it. I thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I hope you will continue to do so going forward. If you got questions, call me up. My phone number is 915- My email is brian at wordsoftruth.net. Now listen, you can email me initially, but at some point I'm going to want to talk to you. Maybe you're in a foreign country and you think that's impossible, but we can Skype. If you have means by which you're listening to this podcast, we can find a way to communicate. I would rather talk to you because in writing, things get missed. Sometimes uh, somebody will write a long email and I'll answer six, seven, eight different types of points and they get just hung up on one and they missed putting it all together. It's just not the best way to study the Bible. We we need to talk. If you're anywhere near me, we can talk in person. I'll set aside things and go on. And if you're not near me and in person is necessary, I'll do everything I can to meet you face to face. That when you read Second and Third John, you come to the ends of those books. You see that face to face communication is far better than writing, and it's maybe not far better, but it's better than phone and Skype. You know, there are things in body language and other things that are important in communication that you can't pick up uh, in a video call or even a phone call or in a phone call or even a video call. I want to help you, okay? Let me help you. That, that's all I want to do. I'm not asking you for money. Never will. This podcast is free. Will always be. If there's ever commercials, it's on the end of whoever has published the podcast. Not on my side. I pay Podbean so that you don't see commercials uh, on the end that... I do. Okay? Thank you for listening. Till next time.